Uh, my name is Rashad Cunningham, still, still pastor at Church on the Rock. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but my name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm one of the pastors here. And we do the Good Morning Church on the Rock. I actually do it everywhere I go, but it's never like it is when it's here because this is kind of where it was formed. And so I probably have to stop because it's just not the same when you go somewhere else. They're like, why does he do this? And they think, you know, I'm looking for worship. I'm not. I just want to make sure that you really are dwelling here, that you really are present right here. And that um, in all of the heaviness and the weight of the world, right, that is going on right now, I mean, we know what 2020 has been. Um, I still want you to be right here because a lot of the solutions for the weight that you are, that's weighing you down, not solutions of making them go away, but for getting through it is going to be found in God's word. In fact, all the things are. And so I'm, I, we do that to make sure that you are dwelling for the next 30 minutes or... <laughs> <laughs> That, that, you're, that you're dwelling right here and that, that you're actually present. So let's do that one more time. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning, Church. There we go, there we go. Now, to address what I was just saying, so there's a way that you can listen to today's sermon. There's a couple ways that you can listen to today's sermon. You can say out of bitterness for whatever you're feeling that, you know what, I feel like he's leaving, I feel like he's abandoning, and so... I don't even know why I'm listening to him right now. He doesn't care. He probably is halfway doing this and all that. And I've heard about this. Like, I've talked to other pastors, and they say, just be aware, like, some of your most faithful members will not listen to you anymore. And you could choose to do that. That could be you. You could be like, I'm not listening to Rashad because I'm hurt and this and this and that. That's, that's you. Or you could say, no matter who's preaching the Word of God, it's the Word of God. It's always been the Word of God. It's not Rashad. It's not, it's not Jason. It's not Nick. It's not, it's not anybody who's up here. It's the word of God that I'm listening to. And therefore, I am in tune. I am ready to hear from God and all of that. And then you can do the one I want, which is, oh, I know that guy loves me. He's an awesome preacher. He's so fabulous. Michigan rules, all that good stuff. And then you can listen for those reasons. But number two is the one that you should be doing, right? So I ask you that because I know the difficulties of everything going on in 2020 and transitions and all that. And yet, here's the thing. You can let your feelings get in the way of what God has for you today. And I don't want that to happen. At the door and dwell right here. Dwell right here with me today with the word of God. And let's get into this text. Let's get into this scripture. Okay? And so um, you guys know me. I like to preach towards the song that Tyler picks. And this week, the song that she picked, like, I was wrestling with it. Like, I like the song, but I was like, ugh, that doesn't match where my heart is. But I, I'm, like, the way we do things at Church on the Rock, we want it to be an experience for you, not like, sec- like here's announcements, here's song, here's sermon, here's song. We want everything to be a part of the same experience so that, like, you're tying the song in with the sermon and all that. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking through the song, and I know where God has placed me, and it just doesn't add up in my thoughts. In my thoughts, I'm like, cool, Ty, like, we'll do that song, but, man, that makes it harder for me. And so I'm calling Clinton, and I'm calling Jeremy Edwards, and I'm like, man, I'm lost. I'm struggling. This doesn't match. I don't want to force nothing. I'm about to either tell Ty to change the song or not. Then James Walker was like, but I love that song. I was like, all right, we ain't changing the song because everybody loves this song all of a sudden. So then I'm looking at the scripture like, God, where am I being blind? And it's amazing how Saturday morning he put it all together, right? But it's also amazing that this is going to be a gut check for everybody. So please, like, don't sit here and start thinking about the person that you think this applies to in your life. Think about you. Just really think about you. This is one of those sermons. I was like, oh, here we go. 
And it would be one of the last sermons I'm preaching. This is how I'm going out. Okay, God, I see how you do this. But stay with me, seriously, because I preach it this way because I love you. I legit love you. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. The name of this sermon is The Leaf. All this studying, all this stress, and that's the best I could come up with, <laughs> The Leaf. The Leaf, right? Um, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. Let me set the context really quick. This is Passion Week. So this is the week that Jesus comes in to Jerusalem on his donkey, on the colt, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They're praising his names. The Jews get upset about them praising him as the Son of God, as the Messiah himself. And he's like, even if you shut them up, I can raise up these stones and they will praise me. So that would have been Sunday, right? He, he comes in triumphantly as a king into Jerusalem. And then after, after he comes in on that Sunday, he goes into the temple and he just kind of sit, kind of sits back, we call it in the cut, but like in the corner, and he just kind of looks around and observes the temple. He doesn't do anything yet. And then he leaves and he goes back to Bethany, which would have been where he healed Lazarus, where he raised Lazarus from the dead, where he was with Mary and Martha, right? He spends the night in Bethany, and then early in the morning he leaves out, and Mark 11, verse 12 is where we come in. So this is Monday morning. All right, I just want to give you that context. It is Monday morning, and it says, on the next day, when they had left Bethany, he, being Jesus, became hungry. He became hungry. Seeing, what does it say up there? Okay, I'll just make sure I got the same translation. All right. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs, he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. This is the chapter we're going to be in, and this is the chapter we're going to be talking about. And so he wakes up early from Bethany. He's entering back into Jerusalem, and on his way, he sees a fig tree. That's a Christmas tree, but a fig tree from the distance, and it has leaves on it. And he sees it and goes over to see if there's anything on it, right? And so as I'm walking through this, I want you to just... Just stay with me, but we're going to take that word leaf. You saw the dot, so you know it's going to be an acronym. Let me be who I am, right? And the first point is this. The Lord expects apparent fruit. Apparent meaning clearly, visibly seen fruit. The Lord expects apparent fruit. Now, here's the unique thing. The Bible says, you can go back to that last slide, Leah. The Bible says that it was not the season for figs. So, Jesus, why are you expecting to find figs? or the fruit of fig trees on the tree if it's not the season. And, and if it's not the season, why'd you curse the tree, bro? Like, is it, that, is it really that deep, right? But this is what's going on. So the figs that we know, uh, the main figs is what they call it, are normally uh, grown in the season of, like, late May, early June. That's when the figs that we, you know, fig newtons, I know that's, like, completely processed stuff. But that's the only kind of fig I really know, right? It's fig newton. I like fig newtons. <laughs> but the figs from, um, that, are pro- that, that come from that tree that are the main figs that we're aware of, they, they're proce- like they come out around late May, early June. But there is a fig fruit that actually comes on a tree that comes right around late March, early April. And Passover week or the Passion Week is late March, early April, right? So this is, right, once again, this is when he came into Jerusalem, and this is, that, this is that week. And so before the leaves 
should be showing on the tree, there's this thing called the Breba fig or the Breba, the, the Breba green fig. I did all this studying of trees. I, I'm a horticultural, what is it, horticultural? Yeah, yeah, whatever that is. Like, I feel like I'm one of those now, but I'm not. But look, so what happens is um, that little fig grows as like a first fruit or even a last of the harvest of the old, of the old tree from, from its last season. And it must grow first for the leaves to grow on a fig tree. The leaves don't grow on a fig tree until that, li- it's a little small version of it that's like the size of an acorn, but there's fruit in there and it's edible. And so if you see leaves on a fig tree, you can jump to the conclusion and assume that it's going to have those little Breba figs on it. And you should go over there with expectation that it's there. Why? Because you see the leaves. Oh, man. Oh, man, y'all. I hate to do this to you, but I had to go through it, so now everybody got to go through it. Jesus is looking at this tree from a distance and sees it professing that it has fruit because it has leaves. And when he goes over to the tree because it has leaves, looking for fruit because it has leaves, he finds no fruit, so he curses the tree. The immediate next story we read is that after that, he goes into a temple that looks all glorious on the outside, whole bunch of leaves on the outside, but on the inside, there is no fruit. He gets in there, and there's money changers, meaning if you brought a Roman denarii into the temple, well, the sacrifices that you had to make in terms of giving your money to the temple had to be the Jewish money, which is a a shekel. And so you would, you would trade in your denarii for a shekel, but they would charge you for that, for, you know, taking the denarii, changing it into a shekel. They would charge you for that. But it wasn't that they were charging that he was mad. They were taxing, taxing. You know, like, if you, if you go buy a pack of ballpark hot dogs, right? It's like $2.99. How much is hot dogs, Britt? Like $3, $2. She does the shopping. Like, eh, $3.99. She's like, why are you talking to me? Okay, cool. So look, like $2.99, $3.99 for a pack of ballpark hot dogs. You get like eight of them, right? But then if I go down to um, Banker, Banker's Life and I, and I buy a hot dog, it's like 10 bucks down there, right? Or like if I go, Clinton, whenever we go to movies, we go to like the dollar store first. I know this is wrong. Forgive me. Like we go to the dollar store first. Back, you know, buy a little bag of candy or whatever. It's like a dollar at the dollar store. But if we used to get that same candy and even a less amount of that candy at the movie theater, it's like 15 bucks, right? So, so met, that's what they were doing. Like to, to, to make your sacrifice or give your offering to the Lord, since you're here and you came on this long journey, you have to trade in your Roman money for the money that's acceptable. And not only do you have to trade that money in, but we're going to tax you on top of that and take above and beyond, right? It'd be equivalent to, I've done a lot of your counseling here. I've done a lot of your, like, one-on-one counseling when you're going through stuff. Now, there is something for a pastor to uh, say, hey, because I'm away from my family, I'm away from this, this is how much it costs for me to counsel. It's 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. But what if I was charging, like, secular prices and saying, you know what? You pay them 150 an hour. You pay me 150 an hour. You'd be like, what? You're so... Exactly. But this is what they were doing. This is exactly what was going on inside the temple. But, but it looks so magnificent. It looks so, the leaves on the fig tree of the Jerusalem temple, I mean, it was an amazing thing to see. And yet on the inside, there was no fruit. Now Jesus is looking at us. I mean, think about this. We actually believe that the leaves we display are the fruit of the Spirit. And this is where Christianity is very, very, very dangerous in its American form. 
You see, you think because you sing on the worship team or you play music or you preach or you teach or you, you, you serve and you think this is the actual fruit that shows that you're saved, but these are the leaves. These are the, this is not the fruit. These are the leaves. And think about this. This is what Jesus says. When he saw the distance, and when he saw at a distance the fig tree that was in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything, meaning though he sees all these leaves, he still doesn't see nothing. Think about that. He sees leaves on the fig tree, but he doesn't consider it anything useful. It's just leaves. He goes to inspect it deeper, inspect it closer, and as he inspects closer, he sees there's nothing there but leaves. Now, we would say, but there's leaves. He goes, I don't care about the leaves. I care about the fruit. And if there's no fruit, he curses the tree for not being what it was professing and proclaiming to be. See, the tree is professing that it has fruit by showing the leaves. Christians profess that they are Christians by showing their leaves. But Jesus says, when I return, I'm looking for fruit, not leaves. And we know this. We have Matthew 7. Look, see, I know it's on there, Leah. I put it in all kinds of weird order, so we'll, we'll give you grace on anything you do. You find the Matthew 7, just read through it real quick. But in Matthew 7, you get to the account where many will say, Lord, Lord. And I, you know what? Maybe I didn't put it on there. I don't think I put it on there. You're right. I didn't put it on there. So just roll with me here. Matthew 7 says that many will say, Lord, Lord, even your confession of Jesus as Lord is a leaf. You see that? Many, he's not talking about non-believers in this, in this account. In Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus looks and says, when I return, many, that means more than half, many will say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that's a leaf. You're like, well, I thought you were saved by confession of Lord. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But that's a leaf because he says, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Keep going. Give me 22. Yes. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, leaf, did we not prophesy in your name? Leaf. And in your name, cast out demons, leaf. And in your name, perform many miracles. We would think that's the fruit of the Spirit. Would it be like, hold on, Sean, like you're preaching God's word. That's proof that you have the fruit. No, no, those are just the leaves. Those are just the leaves professing that you possess the fruit of the Spirit, but it's not the fruit itself. And this is where we've twisted up Christianity. We tend to go teach people to live in this, this uh, Sunday morning production or this outward, Josh, I need you to see my leaves and see how much scripture I've memorized and look how deep I pray. And, that, like, and so that you believe I'm a Christian and so that even I believe I'm a Christian. But Jesus says, when I come back, I'm going to examine beyond the leaves and look to see if there's any fruit because those leaves without the fruit, mean nothing to me. This is heavy. Like, this is heavy. Because for a long time in my life, I thought because I was a pastor, because I preach, because I pray, and because I teach, and because I thought that meant I was saved. But he says, no, 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 no. That, those are leaves. Even a non-believer can do those things in leaf. 
right? Even somebody with no fruit can come and serve. Even, with, even somebody with no fruit can come and sing. I mean, we see it all over the place, right? There's, there's people doing good things who are non-believers. They got the same leaves as you and I. So what's the difference between them and us? The fruit. It's the fruit. So my, 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 that's the first point. The Lord expects apparent fruit. You have to start asking, well, then what is fruit? If, if all these things I thought were leaves, I mean, excuse me, was fruit is leaf, then what is fruit, Rashad? Like, I'm, I'm struggling with that now. Like, now i got to wrestle with some things regarding my life, my salvation. My, yes, yes, you should. The, the Word of God should pierce you, and you should start questioning what's going on in your life. Because I don't know about you, but as I was reading this this week, I was like, oh, this don't feel good no more, right? I thought you just cursed the tree. I wouldn't worry about all this other stuff right here. Go to the slide after this, because I don't even know what it is anymore. Okay. And so it, it says... Um, on the next day when they had left, yeah, yeah, here it is. So, yep, go back, go back, right there. Okay, boom. So look at this. In Ephesians, in Ephesians 3, I want you to see something. It says, now to him, everybody knows this verse, or a lot of people know this verse. To him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. A lot of us use this so out of context. Like, I'm about to go apply for this house that I know I can't afford, but to him who is able to do abundantly and exceedingly above all, man, I'm about to go for this job that I, you know, I'm about, you know what, students, I'm about to pass this test. I didn't study all week long, but to him who is able to do all exceedingly and abundantly according to, that's how we use it, but that's not the, that's not the text. So I want you to notice something here. According to the power that works within us, Ephesians starts out in chapter 1 talking about if you believe in the gospel message, you have received the Holy Spirit, right? If you believe in the gospel message, then, then the response to your true belief in God as your, Jesus as your Lord and Savior is he pours out the Holy Spirit into you as like a, an engagement ring saying, I will be back to marry you on judgment day. I'm coming back for my bride. And so you are saved. And so you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And that is the power that is able to do abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think. Now, chapter 4, look what it says. Therefore, because of that power dwelling inside of you, because that power rests inside of you, he says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg you to walk or live in a, man, in a manner that is worthy of that power inside of you. If that seed is inside of you, then I beg you to live your life in a way that displays that seed. If, you have, if, if you're doing um, the, the balance thingy, what do you call it? Scale, the scale, right? If you're doing a scale, he puts the Holy Spirit on one side of the scale, and it drops like this. The power of resurrection is over here. He says, now walk in a manner that balances that scale. Live in a way that balances. Now, now, we come from the Marvel cinema era, right, Adam? Like we, Black Panther and Captain Marvel and all this stuff. So we're like, man, if I got the power of resurrection inside of me, I should be able to walk on water and fly and even curse a tree and make it wither away, right? Because I got the power, right? I got the power. Instantly went in my head. But anyway, but look what he says. Go to the next uh, slide there, Leah. He says this is what that power looks like. Humility. In other words, the, the power to look at Jesus and compare yourself to him and no one else. Not the, not, the, not the church member struggling, 
Not the one who just got the divorce or the one who just cheated or the one who just fell into whatever sin. No, no, no. I, I don't judge them because I look at Jesus as the standard. And yes, they failed his standard, but I'm failing his standard. So I'm humble when I look at you and your brokenness. That's humility. It's, it's, it's Jesus is the only standard I'm judging by. Gentleness, right? Gentleness doesn't mean you're a punk. Doesn't mean you're a walkover. Jesus was not a punk. Jesus could, if he says stop, the world stops. It's that simple, right? He's no punk. But he has the power to destroy you and chooses not to because of his meekness. Gentleness is having the power to destroy something and choosing not to destroy something because of he who is able to do according, I mean, exceedingly abundantly more than all you could ask or think. These things are only possible with the fruit of the Spirit. See, see, you think your, your works that you do out here is the fruit. Those are the leaves. The fruit is right here. Humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. Like this is the fruit. Not your Sunday service. This is the fruit. And notice one thing. No, notice two things. All of it is only possible with the Spirit, because humans can't do this. We've seen that in 2020. Humans can't do this. We, we cannot do this. Only God can do this. And then two, it's meant to be done with others. It's meant to be done with others. The fruit is not only meant to be seen, but it's meant to be accessible. It's for somebody else. These things are not for you. They're for others. And, as, and if we're in a community of fruit-bearing people where I'm doing this for you and you're doing this for me, nobody goes hungry. But we're so caught up in the leaves. We're so caught up in the leaves. I'm a good Christian because of my leaves. I do this more than that person, that person. Who cares if I do this stuff? Look at the leaves. And that's what that fig tree was doing. The fig tree had leaves but no fruit. I'm telling you, many, including Church on the Rock, many in the church have a lot of leaves and no fruit. And you will be surprised when you get to heaven who's not there. You're going to be very surprised who is there and who's not there. There are people that you're looking at who you don't see the leaves that you think you should see who are going to be sitting in heaven rejoicing with the Father. Because, yeah, they didn't produce all the leaves that you wanted to see, but they produced the fruit that God wanted to see. Think about this. I know we got some exes. He did me wrong. She did me wrong. Ah, that ex might be in heaven because he did right by Jesus in the end. While you over here judging what he or she did or didn't do, Right? And while you over here doing all these other things that are opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, but you got all the leaves in the world to be here on Sunday morning to sing, to read, to post. You got all these leaves for the world to see. But the one who hurt you confessed, repented, hated his sin, just like David. I mean, David was a rapist and a murderer. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. And this is, this is what happens. You, you lie to yourself because you let your leaves speak to you. You're so busy justifying yourself by your leaves. 
Paul says, examine yourself to see if you actually possess the fruit of the Spirit. Well, Rashad, how would I be able to do that? Man, put yourself into a church. Get around some people who get on your last nerves and love them unconditionally. Yeah, right? That, that's, that, how will you know? You won't know unless you put yourself in trials and tri- or unless you uh, recognize that God will place you in trials so that you can actually see the fruit you possess or don't possess. When you can't live out those one another's, when you can't make time for each other and all that, you got some, some explaining to do. Like, we, I can't justify that for you. I can't make you feel good. I can't crack a joke to make that feel That doesn't feel good. But that's, that is so many people in today's church. It's, how many times you hear, well, I believe in God, but I don't like the church? What? I believe in God, but I don't do people. What? I believe in God. Like, they, they believe in Jesus, they believe in God, but then you insert anything that is relational. They will give all the money in the world. They will serve every ministry they can serve in. They will be here every Sunday. They will pray, they will read, just like the Pharisees. But then you ask them to sacrificially deny themselves for the sake of somebody who may take it for granted, just like you did with Jesus? Oh, no, I don't know. There's a line, Rashad. I'm not Jesus. Well, the Bible says, Spirit, <laughs> His Spirit is in you. So you need to be doing what He does. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. I'm not worried about your leaves. Give me my next slide. Look at this. Look at this. It keeps going. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is, I mean, I can't make it easier than this. This is as easy as I can make it. So what's the fruit of the Spirit? Okay. The fruit of the Spirit is agape love, self-denying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no such law. Like this is, if you have, the, and, and remember, that's a singular word, fruit, not fruits. So you can't be like, well, Rashad, I'm kind, but I ain't got patience, right? I mean, I got the fruit of kindness, but I ain't got the fruit of patience. No, 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 it's one fruit. And if you go all the way back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, all sin came from one fruit. It's not the sin of lust, the sin of adultery, the sin of gluttony. The sin, no, no, there's one fruit. And from that fruit is all of these things. There's one fruit of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, and it, this, this is what it looks like. And notice, none of that stuff is the church attendance. And all. Those are the leaves that come after the fruit. Those are the leaves that show after the fruit, but, the, but people can show those leaves without having that fruit. This, because this is impossible. That's what you're looking at, the impossible. That's what I'm trying to get you to. It's like the things that the fruit should produce in you, if, it is, if it's literally the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in you, is the impossible. It's the impossible. It is impossible to have self-denying love as a human being without God working in you. Whatever you think, your, your, your grandma who doesn't believe in Jesus and she's so sweet, you don't know what she's thinking when she's doing those things, all right? I'm t- like the true self-denying love True joy, true peace, true, like biblically by God's standard, is impossible to, to attain to without his spirit. It's not possible. That's what I want you to see. So when Jesus comes back, he is going to examine your fig tree and forget all of your, forget your leaves. He's looking for fruit. And a lot of us in here today, today, got a whole lot of leaf but no fruit. 
Give me, give me that, like, give me that sticky, that little, I got a little point. Like, I got a little thing I put up there. I don't even know what it is anymore. Just, it's like a line. It's like, after this one, go, what's after that? It probably ain't after that. Nope, keep going. <laughs> keep, it's like a little point. Keep going. Yep, it might be after that one right there. And nope, it ain't, okay, never mind. I got this thing where I said this, though. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just flowing here, because now it's just kind of, uh, thank you. This makes me look bad. Look at this. Many have leaves that profess without lives that produce. I thought of that this morning. Many of us have leaves that profess Jesus is Lord, but lives that don't produce that fruit that says it. Once again, so you say, I thought the Bible said if I just confess Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. Yes, very true. But you don't understand confession. You don't actually get it. If, if, if my daughter got in trouble when she was little, say she smacked somebody, right? Smacked the child, right? She wouldn't, but say she did. And I'm like, Genesis, you need to go apologize to her. But in her mind, since the girl took her toy or whatever, she had every right to smack her. So she'll go over there and apologize because I told her you need to apologize, but she don't believe it. She don't believe she was wrong. She's like, she took my toy. I did what I was supposed to do. Many of us have confessed Jesus as Lord because we were told to. But we don't actually believe Jesus is Lord. We don't actually agree that Jesus is Lord. Remember, confession, homo legeo, same language. It means we say the same thing. Okay, you can confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, right? We can all say, hey, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Okay, you're saved, you're saved. Baptism, baptism, you're saved, right? But those are your leaves. What happens if it's a true confession, real confession, is that you will live a life that says Jesus is Lord. And you can't live that life without the fruit of the Spirit dwelling inside of you. So it's not, it's not just saying it with your lips, but confession means to not just say it, but to believe it and agree with it. I, don't, I wasn't just told Jesus was Lord. I actually, like in the, in the depth of my soul, I actually believe Jesus is the Lord of my life. I actually agree with God. I'm not just saying it in words, and if you look at my life, and if you look at, people ask me all the time, man, how are you so careful with your words on Facebook? How are you so careful in your words in conversation? And man, you hear what that person called you? How did you respond that way? I actually believe that Jesus is my Lord. So no matter what this person says, that person says, or what, no matter what the world throws at me, I still believe and agree that Jesus is actually Lord. I didn't just say it because I was told to say it. I actually believe it, and since I believe it, you see the fruit in my life. There are so many of you who were told to say Jesus is Lord when you were young or when you were older or when you were going through it, and so you said something, but you never actually agreed with God on that. You never actually believed it. You just said it because it sounded good, or it was the thing that was going to fix your life, or it was the thing that was going to make... Do you believe Jesus is Lord, and you won't know until something comes up against you that makes you have to choose between him and you. See, all this stuff in your life is for you. It's for you. And, I want, and, and that's, that's going like, to make me get back to the scripture real quick. We're almost done. Check this out. So, so the Lord is expecting apparent fruit, accessible fruit, something that he can actually see, right? He goes in the temple, cleans out the temple, and then in Mark... 11, 20. So he goes in the temple, cleans the temple out, and that's like the fig tree, right? Like leaves in the temple. All right. He leaves the temple. He goes out again. So that's Monday night. And then it says in Mark 11, um, 
20, as they were passing by in the morning. So this is Tuesday morning. This is Tuesday morning now. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday morning. On Tuesday morning, they're going back towards the temple, right? And it says in verse uh, 20, as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to, to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. This flipped me out. I was like, hold on. Hold on. So we're walking back, and I'm like, hey, Jesus, you know that fig tree you cursed? It really is cursed. It's really withered away. I'm expecting Jesus to teach everything I just taught about the fig tree. Jesus' response to that is, have faith in God. What? <laughs> like, like, if you read that, you're, you're, just, you're like, what? is there missing scriptures? Like, how did we jump from, you know, fig tree withering to have faith in God, right? And I struggled with this all week. This is where I was so mad. I was so mad because, like, I lost all my free time this week to figure this passage out. But if you really pay attention to it, faith in God is the fruit. You see, we've made faith as Christians um, our word. It only belongs to Christians. But you can have faith in anything. In fact, the value of your fa- the value of your the value of your faith <laughs> is found in the object of what you believe. You could. He has faith in Ohio State. I don't care if they undefeated or not. The value of faith in Ohio State is a very low value compared to the value of faith in God. I didn't say Michigan. I said God. Right? Like, you have value in in the chairs that you're sitting in because you're sitting in them. You actually believe those chairs are going to hold you up. Cool. But that's a very low value compared to if that chair can hold you up when you're going through a divorce or the losing of, like, your job or 2020 or COVID or anything. I don't think that chair is going to do a whole lot for you then, is it? It'll give you a place to sit, but it ain't fixing nothing, is it? And so the value of your faith is in the object of what it's in. The faith that can move mountains, as we say, is, is a faith that's in God, Right? And the fruit that Jesus is looking for is the impossible faith. It's the faith in the impossible because it's the faith in God. It, it, see how it all ties together all of a sudden? Have faith in God. Like, you're surprised that, the, that I said wither and the thing withered? Like, don't you realize that because of he who dwells in you, you could say to this mountain, move into the sea, right? And so... He's not only looking for apparent fruit, he's looking for the Lord expects active faith. Active faith. The Lord expects active faith. And this is where, like, I'm not going to get to my third point today. I'll do that next week. But this week, because of the song that we're singing, I want to press into that. So the song we're singing, can I tell them? Okay, we're singing Into the Sea. A lot of people know this song. A lot of people love this song. I fell in love deeper with this song this week. But there's something unique about this song that hit me so hard this week. If you listen to the lyrics, she says, Though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground may crumble underneath my feet, I can hear the Lord singing over me. It's going to be okay. I hear my father singing over me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, in other words, she's saying the mountain moving into the sea is a negative thing. We always read this passage, and if you have the faith in God then you could tell this mountain to move into the sea, and it's a positive thing. But she's saying if the mountain moves into a sea, it's a negative thing. 
I want you to pay attention to this real quick. Let me get your attention right here. This faith in God is the, is the key to being okay in 2020. I mean this. You can't get to this place of saying it's going to be okay without this faith in God. You see, a mountain moving into a sea, literally, it didn't mean, like, in Jewish context, it meant difficult mountains in front of you being moved out your way so you can walk forward. But let's just take it literally. If Mount, um, what's the ones over there in the Rockies, the big one, Mount Everett, Everett, right? Everest, or whatever, whatever. If mountains moved from wherever <laughs> they are right now, I don't know my, <laughs> I'm a, and they moved into the Pacific Ocean. Like, and it was on the news that this mountain was moving into the Pacific Ocean. So, like, it's crumbling homes and people and places and things, and it's moving into the ocean. Who's singing it's going to be okay? Like, most of us in here are like, it's the end of the world. <laughs> like, we ain't singing this song, right? It's not going to be, it's the end of the world. But this is what faith in God does. Faith in God looks at 2020. Faith in God looks at COVID. It looks at the election and the racial tension and all that stuff. And it's like, these are things that have never, these are like impossible things that have never happened before. And if, it's, if the impossible is happening, there's only one explanation for the impossible happening. God. And so can you see how a mountain moving into the sea for the singer of this song could be earth shattering, literally, the world crumbling underneath me. But from somebody with faith, it could be, but if the world, if the, if the earth is quaking and if a mountain is moving, that's God. Because nobody else can make the earth quake and make the mountains move but God. So even if my materialistic things, my house got ran over by this mountain that's on the loose. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture this, right? My car is gone. and that, It's going to be okay because it's from God. And only good things come from God. And if, the only way that mountain moves, even if it's negative, is God. Only God can do that. And so because of my faith in God, it's going to be, oh, that's the fruit. You see, you got these leaves on Sunday morning where you sing that song and it's going to be okay. But then Biden wins the, Trump, the, the presidency and it's not going to be okay. Or Trump wins the presidency and it's not going to be okay. Don't you realize for Trump, a businessman, to win the presidency is an act of God? For Obama, a black man, to win a presidency is an act of God. For Biden, whatever you think about him, is an act of God. Like anybody in the presidency is an act of God. Because God said it. Nobody's in authority Unless I allow, and you're like, but well, it's not possible because Biden's this or Trump's that. Have you met Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> no? Well, I have. He's horrible, sis. He, he's, he's horrible. Have, have you met Nero who burned Christians for fun? Like, but he was king because God allowed it to be that way. So I'm not, I'm not praising God for Nero, but while I'm in the empire that Nero rules, I'm giving him thanks in it. And everything's going to be okay. Now, now, now bring that all the way back to your personal context. Bring it all the way back. We understand the fig tree, the leaves, the fruit, the mountains. We understand all of that, but bring it back to your context. Where are you right now? 
in which you have allowed the lies of 2020, the lies of this world, the lies of anxiety, the lies of worry, the lies of doubt, disappointment, failure, whatever it is, where are you right now that you are not displaying the fruit that Jesus is looking for? Examine it. Ask yourself what you don't believe about the Bible, what you don't believe about Jesus, and examine it. Because gone are the days where myself or Jason or anybody else who the leadership is going to allow to pastor this church, gone are the days where you can sit here with your leaves and we let you be comfortable. Jesus said, without the fruit, your leaves don't matter to me. I can't tell you I love you and let you sit here in doubt and fear. It doesn't mean I don't have compassion for your doubt, for your fears, for your anxieties. I hurt because you hurt. I hurt because you hurt. Jesus wept when he got there and they were crying about Lazarus. He knew what he was about to do, but he still had compassion for them and he wept with them. I weep with you in all of your fears and all of your doubts. and all. I weep with you. I don't want to be some... Oh, get over it. No, I weep with you. But then, as we're weeping, I'm going to remind you of what you have confessed. I didn't confess it for you. You confessed it. You said Jesus was Lord. You said God is in control. You said that he can move mountains. And so anything going on in your life right now, the impossible things that are happening in a negative way, the mountains moving that are crumbling the things of this world that mean something to you, it's going to be okay. He's doing it for a reason. And that's my last, that's my last like scripture I want to give you. Uh, Leah, go before all this to that Luke 13 scripture. And I got to get down here so I can talk to you about this. So in Luke 13, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to finish. At the beginning of this chapter, um, there are There are people talking to Jesus about current events going on in the world, kind of like today. There are, there's these people, sis, uh, Paige, there's these people that have died at like a a worship service like this. And a governor has killed them through his police. And the blood of of them is mixing with the sacrifices that they were doing at at this religious place. And they look at God and it's like, is this because that they were sinners. Like, is this because they're bad people? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. They, they didn't do anything more wrong or less wrong than anybody. But if they didn't repent, then they're going to perish like everybody else. And then there's this, other, there's this other event that happens where a tower falls on people. And, and, and what ends up happening when a tower falls on people, they're, they're like in the same way, like, is, is this because that they were worse sinners or more sinners? And he's like, no, no, no. It's not because they were worse sinners. But if they didn't repent, they will perish. So, so he's saying it's not like bad things don't happen to you because you're a sinner. Like, not, you know, like the world's fallen. Bad things happen, period. It's a fallen world. But if you don't repent, it doesn't matter if it happened to you or not. If you're the one that did, if you, don't want to, if you didn't repent, you're going to perish. And then he gets to this right here. Look at this right here. This is the very next scripture he gets into. He says, and he began telling a parable right after that. So that means the parable that he's telling right here has something to do with the current events that were going on. He wants to teach a point. I want you to pay attention to this. He began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree. Woo! There go the fig tree again. Which he had been plant, which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Go to the next uh, slide. It says, and he said to the vineyard keeper, 
Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And the guy answered that watches over the fig tree and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. Keep going. It says, and if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. All right. Whole lot here. I'm not going to preach all of it, but I've been here for five, four years, four or five years, somewhere around there. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are some people in here for four or five years, three years, two years, one year, who you have to ask yourself, how long have you been coming to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and still have no fruit that you're bearing? Just like that fig tree, right? Now, look at this. He wants to cut it down, but there's an intercessor, Jesus, your pastor, whoever, that says, please don't let them live another year. Don't cut it down yet. Let me dig and fertilize it. And if you come back and there's no fruit, then you can cut it down. So he gets like another, like, please just give him another, don't, don't take them now and send them to hell. Give them another year. This is the analogy. Now watch this. Um, the one who digs and fertilizes is Jesus, right? Jesus, don't come down, dig and fertilize. But think about this, and I heard this from another pastor. This is great. The digging and the fertilizing, Clinton, think about that process. If I'm a fig tree with no fruit, the ground is hardened around me. You know the parable of the soils. The ground is hardened, so it needs to be dug up. And then it needs to be fertilized with what? Dung. Literally in the scripture, it's dung. We know what dung is. And in your life, in your life, to get fruit to be produced in your life after three years of coming to church on the rock, he will dig, which is going to soften the soil, and he will put some dung in your life so that you can produce fruit. Think about that. Because a lot of you are complaining right now about the digging and the dung. That's what 2020 has been for all of us, digging and dung in my life. But it's to produce something that he's not seeing in your life. You shouldn't be complaining about the digging and the dung. You should be thankful that he's willing to give another year. Because if he cuts you down today, he's throwing you away. You, ha you have to think about that. If he cuts you down today, he's throwing you away if he finds no fruit. So perhaps 2020 is digging and dung. Perhaps the mountains moved into the sea and the earth crumbling underneath your feet is so that your fig tree actually produces something, or maybe perhaps so that you actually look at the fig tree and see what's not there. It's not too late even today. And that's where we're going to land. That's where we're going to land. Ty, I want you to sit in your seats. Ty, Clinton, are going to come up. We're singing this. We're, no, they're going to sing this song into the sea, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why specifically she's going to sing to you and minister to you in this way. You need to reflect because the, the scariest part about this is this. A lot of us see the leaves on our fig tree and we're satisfied with that. And nobody else can do this. Like, you can fool me with your leaves. You can actually make me believe that you are whatever you think you are and whatever that we're supposed to be for each other. But I'm telling you, only you can see whether or not you have this fruit that we're talking about. So before Jesus returns to inspect, how about you do some of your own inspecting? 
And one of the best ways to do that is this. It's to look, it's the words of this song that Todd's about to sing. She, as she works through this song, listen to the, just pay attention to the lyrics as you're reflecting with God. And the, the artist who wrote these lyrics, she's in a place of doubt. She's in a place of worry. She's in a place where the majority of us at some area in our life is in right now. So, some area. You may have it all together in this area, but this area you're, you're doubting, you're worried, you're anxious. And this is what happens, y'all. As she goes through these, I'm starting to blame you. I blame myself. Are you still good? Are you this? I don't know. She gets to this place where she's like, but even with all my anxieties, my fears, my worries, I still know this. If the mountains move, if the ground crumbles, I still know you're singing over me because you wouldn't allow that stuff to happen in my life unless it was good. Because all good things come from you. And because of that and that alone, even though my circumstances and my situations are dung, it's going to be okay. And if I can truly say that, not with a leaf mentality, but with a fruit mentality, if I really believe it's going to be okay, that's proof that his spirit is in me. Because no other human being out there can do that. Only God in you can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding in your marriage, in your parenting, in this church situation that we're going through in 2020 and all the stuff that's grabbing for your attention. The only way that you can truly say it's going to be okay is if and only if the fruit of the Spirit dwells inside of you. If you don't have that peace, we need to talk. If you don't have that peace because you don't believe in Jesus, we want to introduce you to Christ. He died for you. And we want you to either come up here and lay it down at this, this so-called altar. We want you to do it in your seat. Wherever you have to do it, we want to be there with you to lead you to that peace that we have that surpasses all understanding. But perhaps you know for a fact that you believe in Jesus, but for whatever reason, you can't find the way to say it's going to be okay. Well, this is where discipleship takes place. This is where we come with you in your brokenness, and we just show you the word and tell you to trust and believe in it. So if that's you, I'm here, Jason's here, and anybody else in this church is here. We'll meet you here. We'll meet you where you're at. But don't be satisfied with the leaves, y'all. Ensure you have the fruit. Take this moment. Bow your heads. Tyler's going to sing. I want you to reflect on where you are. Just reflect and let God speak to you in these next five minutes. Though the ground beneath my cry. 
I'm honest, maybe I've blamed you too. But you would not forsake me, cause only good things come from you. Though the mountains may be moved into the sea, and though the One, two, one, two, there we go. Um, a lot of us will take this sermon and that song, especially the part that presses deeply into um, about the fruit. A, a tree outside right now in the winter season that doesn't have leaves, you know it's barren, right? Like you know there's no fruit on that tree. You know that tree doesn't have fruit. But like, this tree and its lights and its put togetherness and it's on the inside of the church, you assume it's a healthy tree per se or you assume perhaps that it might have fruit. And Jesus would, would look at the tree out there with no leaves and this tree and all its beauty and he would dig in and he would find no fruit. In other words, the tree that's on the inside, that's all doctored up and pretty, that's on the inside of the church, is no different than the tree that's outside the church, without leaves, without lights. Neither one has fruit. And so that song can only be sang if you have truly trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Whether you're inside and you look all pretty with lights or whether you're outside without lights, with no Jesus, it's not going to be okay. This is why we gather. This is why we equip you. Because we want you to be able to sing those words that Tyler just sang. It's going to be okay. Not because your life is better 
on the outside, but because your life is completely whole on the inside. And that's only through Jesus Christ. So as you get ready to go into this next week, let's walk in a manner that shows the fruit that we possess. Others around us are crumbling, y'all. Others around us are losing it. Like, I can't explain to you the things that I'm seeing out there. But you become a beacon of light when you are able to sing the words to this song. And not sing it just articulating it, but singing it with the actions of your life. It's going to be okay. Though these things are going on all around, it's going to be okay. And when you give off that light and when you give off that energy, people will be attracted to you. And you will give them the peace that you have that is going to be okay through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that we can shout it's going to be okay because of what your son did on that cross. Father, I cannot imagine how as he rode in on that triumphant week, knowing that he would be going to a cross, I cannot imagine how Jesus, the human who hungered, who thirsted, Jesus, the human who wept, I can't imagine how he would be able to say it's going to be okay unless he was also fully God. Father, as I look at my own life, I am human too. I hunger, I thirst, I weep, I stress, I doubt, I fear. But because of you in me, the Holy Spirit, the fruit that you placed in me when I trusted in your son and what he had done on that cross, I joined Tyler in singing, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Father, you are good. Your word is fact. Your word is truth. And you've told us no matter what exiles we find ourselves in, that you know the plans you have for us, Father, a hope. <laughs> a guaranteed hope for us. Father, you've told us no matter what the empire is trying to do to us, no matter what the world, no matter what Satan, no matter what the demons, even our own flesh, Father, no matter what's coming up against us, because of Christ, it's going to be okay. Father, I speak that truth into the marriages that are in this room. It's going to be okay. Father, I speak that to the people who have been laid off at their jobs. It's going to be okay. Father, I speak that to those who are battling COVID. It's going to be okay. Father, if they know you, if they know your son, it's going to be okay. Father, we trust that because you said it. And if you said it, that seals it. And it's on that that I walk in a worthy manner, in, in, worthy of the manner of which I've been called with all humility and gentleness, with all patience, bearing with those who are with me in this room, sacrificially loving, because that's the fruit that tells me it's going to be okay. Father, we thank you and we praise you. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed week. It's going to be okay. <laughs>